This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Today's guest needs very little intro, as she's one of the most well-known climbers in the world. It is none other than Hazel Finlay. She has been climbing basically all of her life, with some of her younger years also spent in the youth competition scene before getting her teeth stuck into cutting-edge track climbing. Her ascents of Once Upon a Time in the Southwest, Magic Line and Muy Caliente have put her in the media highlight for this particular specialisation. But in recent times, she's pushed her sport and boulder grades a few more notches, with perhaps the highlight being her repeat of Escalata Masters, in, which is a 9A in Perlas, Spain. Hazel's worked with us at Lattice, specifically with Maddie as her coach, for this goal of climbing her first 9A. As climbing is not just the whole physical thing, but also a blend of tactics, psychology, technique, and physiology, I wanted to partition this interview out into two parts, which I guess are both mine and Hazel's personal and professional interests, as Hazel is also a coach, but a mindset one. One conversation is focused on the physical training, performance and preparation. The other is on the physiological factors, sorry, the psychological factors that go into climbing at your limits. Obviously, we're going to reference her journey to 9A on both of these, and I think it's interesting to learn from Hazel's own journey as just because someone's a professional, it doesn't mean that they're not continually learning. So if you're into the mindset stuff, let's get stuck in. But if you want to know more about Hazel's physical training plan stuff that she did with us, then check out the companion episode that goes with this one. Welcome to the show, Hazel. Hi. Are you ready for a bit of psychology? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Now, as we're using your first 9A as a reference point for the conversations around mindset and psychology, I wanted to try and make sure I give a nice kind of broad approach with your journey with this route. And as such, I think my first question is going to be about motivation. What got you psyched for this project? How did that look? Yeah, I think the motivations were quite interesting for me with this one because um, I was influenced by what my partner wanted to do. I wouldn't say that this was like a totally like personal like dream, I suppose, to climb like a really hard sport route. Um and especially if like, you know, the whole nine A grade thing, like it, it hasn't it hasn't ever been my motivation. Um but it has been my partner's motivation. Like he just really wanted to climb a hard sport route. And I'm a bit more like I'm def- I've, I've like one of the things I've really struggled in in my climbing is goal setting. I'm just not really a natural goal setter. I'm more of a like, I'll do whatever kind of person, you know? Um, and so I can often get carried along with like other people's dreams and goal sets, you know? And like, mm. like I climbed my first 8C just because I was belaying my mate on fisheye. And I was like, ah, oh, give it a go, you know? And then I was like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I just like did it, you know? Like, um, so... But, you know, I'm like, motivation is really important for me. So, like, for me, basically, like, although, you know, I was somewhat driven by Angus, um, I knew that when I set it as a goal, that I really understood, like, what the process would entail. And I think your motivation needs to be in in alignment with that. Um, so basically it was like, you know, 
am I motivated enough for this climb to dedicate the time and energy um, to that process? Um, and basically, like, I would say at first, I wasn't that motivated. Well, no, I was motivated, but basically, like, we, for context, like, we went out to Spain in the autumn and we tried a few different things and so at that stage I was like pretty open you know mm. um but then when I tried the route I was like whoa this route's really cool I absolutely love the place you know it kind of just like ticked all the right boxes um of things that I consider when I'm choosing a project and because it ticked those box boxes I was really motivated like yeah okay yeah it's, 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 I always find it really interesting talking to people who struggle with the whole goal setting and finding it hard to be really driven towards goals when I, I'm a real, I'm a very, very goal orientated person, yeah. even though I also absolutely love the process. And I sometimes wonder whether we sometimes actually think and feel exactly the same. We just describe our internal mechanism in a different way because when i hear you talk about the process i go oh yeah yeah nine nine tenths of the part is in the process Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit right at the end which is the goal but for some reason i i describe the thing more about the goal yeah and i think i think well it's uh, you know we have better language around outcomes. Mm. You know, they're very comparable between people. You know, like grades are very easy to talk about and to compare um, names of climbs, you know, whereas like process is like very nebulous. It's hard to t- talk about and harder to, to think about. Mm. Um, but you're right. Obviously, it's like most of the journey. Um, and also it's like the process is where all of the development as a climber is, you know, um, the goal, but the goal is equally as important, you know, like kind of like two sides of a, co- a coin, because if you don't have the goal, you don't have the direction. But I would say that I'm bad at goal setting is like, because, mo- you know, you might think of me as better at it, because if you look at my five, last five years of my climbing, I have been better at goal setting, but it's taken a lot of work. Like there's been like years of my climbing where I literally haven't set a goal. Like I've actually just gone climbing. And like, so that's why I say I'm bad at goal setting. Whereas I imagine you usually have like various goals within a year, right? You probably don't just go climbing. Um, The funny thing is I've completely swapped round. I just go climbing now. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing the opposite things. But I, yeah, I I do, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, And it's maybe that funny thing where you, you often see a human as that sort of tip of the iceberg. You always see what yeah. they've done in the last year and you go, well, that's everything about Hazel because she's had such a successful career in these recent years of some really, really big goals you've achieved, mm-hmm. but then you forget the other 20 years. Totally, yeah. And I, you know, I remember my mindset when I was like 19, 20 was like, I just knew it was all training for later. Like I just didn't... I didn't get attached really to anything. Like I had like mini goals and I did them, you know, and like I learned things, but like I just knew that everything was like coming later. I don't Mm. know. I just had, I already had this like really broad idea of my climbing from quite young. Whereas I see some younger people are like setting these super lofty goals really early on. And it's like learning always has to be incremental. You can't go from just being an onsite climber to someone who's got a two month project. Like you'll just implode. 
like unless you've got like a strangely strong mindset like it's going to be really hard for you to just do that um Mm. and lots of people come to me for coaching because they're like really struggling with the process um it's like you know that that is a skill like having setting a lofty goal and like understanding how to approach something like that is a skill in itself um and i i don't think we really talk about it enough in climbing Mm. what do you think for you if you were to if you had um someone sat in front of you and they were describing to you that they had on one side a really lofty goal that was way way out there and then another one which was a highly achievable goal let's say it's probably doable next week for example um what do you think are the key differences in terms of mindset between lofty highly ambitious ones and very very doable ones well you just they're just much more psychologically challenging the big goals because you invest more in them like as soon as you start investing lots of time and energy into your training lots of time and energy like going to the place where that climb is lots of time and energy doing the same moves you know I think a lot of people struggle with you know it can feel boring to people after a while like they get sick of the climbs that they're trying you know they just want them to be done because they're doing the same thing over and over again and if you're not a very experienced climber you might be like wow I could have done like 50 other climbs in the space of time that is I spent on this one climb you know mm. so that investment in time and energy um means that we put a lot of value on that thing which means that we're then much more scared to not do it so basically lots of fear of failure um, and performance anxiety it usually shows up for people when you set a lofty goal it's not really going to show up that much I mean it does in some people but usually like it it will show up stronger or for the first time when someone sets a very lofty goal and before i kind of yeah go, go into think some things around you know fear of failure and expectations etc can i just i just want to take a little step back um just to uh give everyone listening um a bit of context around where and how you came into the specialization and a sort of deep interest in terms of psychology and mindset um, approach within climbing was it a self-learned thing and you evolved in that manner or was it was it different to that um as in like what's my training uh or like how did you first become interested in it yeah i mean to be honest like i've been interested in psychology and climbing since i was a child like i would all like i think being a young girl um, and doing trad routes, you like, you know, guys would come up to me and be like, wow, you've got bigger balls than me, you know? Like, there was always this thing around, like, I wasn't really supposed to be brave. And I was always just like, why? <laughs> mm. Like, why not? <laughs> you know? Um, so that kind of got me thinking about it. And also, just like, you know, being sm- a small young woman as well, like, I could see that like some of my ability to climb so well was from like how I could focus in the moment and like how I could not be afraid and um I could just I just from a really early age it just like was starkly obvious to me that like like people's minds was like usually the limiting factor for their performance but like we didn't really have language around it and 
we didn't talk about it that much and you know so I've always been interested in it and then I did a philosophy degree and there's a lot of philosophy of psychology and philosophy of mind I've always just been interested in like psychology and like um I don't know I guess like consciousness and like inner experiences and stuff like that um and then I actually started coaching like at university um but I literally knew nothing and um my friend who was like terrified of falling gave me some money and I'd like read the rock warriors way and I thought it was this great book yeah yeah and I was like oh I think you know I know so much about fear of falling and stuff like I'm not scared to fall like I'll just I'll just teach this guy and like I use the rock warriors way as like a bit of a template and like it didn't work at all (laughs) and I gave him his money back (laughs) Yeah, a refund. Yeah, I gave him a refund. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. yeah. To, to be fair, looking back, like he was a really, really hard first client. <laughs> like, okay, right. Um, but I also just didn't have the knowledge. And anyway, and then I focused on my own climbing, became a professional climber. But it was always in the back of my mind that like it's what something I wanted to explore. So I've always like read around it and stuff like that. Um, and then I actually went over to the states and worked with Arno Ilner for a few months, and he sort of like mentored me a bit, um, which was really cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, yeah. he's like sort of like he's really helped me out um, for sure, and I feel bad because I've sort of like set up on my own and like stolen loads of his ideas. But um, you know, I said that to him. I was like, you know, I don't, you know, I like really appreciate you and like what you do and everything, and I don't want to just like steal your ideas and do my own thing. And he was like, look, I stole my ideas from loads of other people, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just reiterations, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, on, you know, we all steal office. ideas from everyone, like, you know, and I'm sure yeah. you do the same, but it's sort of how you teach it as well, like, and everyone's got different styles, and they, you're interested in different things and have different philosophies and ethos, and psychology is so weird. It's such a, such a weird subject, and I think, like, the reason why it's neglected in climbing and in life in general is it's... it's um. We just, we really don't understand it, basically. Um, and it's really difficult to talk about. <laughs> um, but like, I actually really love that about it because I just think it's really interesting and it's like a, chal- a challenge, you know? Um, so anyway, then I got like a really bad shoulder injury and I had a shoulder operation. I was like, what can I do during this recovery? And I was like, right, I'm doing the coaching. Like now's the time. So I like studied loads and um, got like a coaching diploma and like, did work with the flow center and stuff and um yeah and then just started out and then it sort of built from there basically and and nowadays do you do you consider yourself a an individual and obviously you you do your professional work with strong mind as well as a a practitioner who's a blend of the theory and academia plus the experience because you're not you're not just sat in an office reading papers or reading Arno's book and taking his ideas you know you're out there doing it yourself as well do you think that's really important when it comes to climbing that there is this blend between doing it and also understanding the theory yeah I I definitely think you need to have um, an experiential understanding Um, but you know that has been hard for me because you know although I I know what it's like to be scared of falling and I know what it's like to have fear of failure like some of the people who come to me it's you know their fear of falling is something actually that I can't like really relate to you know because for some people it's 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 really powerful their fear of falling you know um so I've learned so much from working one-on-one and I'm really glad you know like 
Arno started off with like the workshop model straight from the start. Mm. And I basically felt that like I really, in order to properly understand what people were going through, I needed to do one-to-one coaching with people. So there's that, but there's also the skill of actual coaching. And when I say coaching, it's like the word coaching really irritates me because it's people, it means different things to different people. You know, you call yourself a coach, but like in um, like broader society, like, um, you know, like the coaching diploma that I have, it's not in sport. It's, it's actually the skill of coaching itself. So it's sort of like asking questions, guiding people's thinking, exploring what's going on for them. Um, helping them find their way to their own answers, you know, and I think that's an approach that's it's 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 really powerful in psychology because you can't really like be as prescriptive as you can with physical training, you know, like you're an expert in physical training and you like can be pretty sure that if you give people these weights and sets and reps, like within you know, obviously sometimes you might get it wrong, but like um it's just you're much more able to be prescriptive um whereas like psychology it's like like our understanding of it is so poor that actually like it can be not only like risky but also just like like counterproductive to like be overly prescriptive you know so for me, like a lot of my coaching is actually around like helping people find their own answers so like sometimes it's like what I think I do is a blend of coaching and teaching. So there's some concepts that I literally just teach, like some basic psychological principles, like for example, like how to unlearn fear responses is like really well studied in psychology. And there's like some really basic things that like if every climber knew, they would just be so much better at managing their fear. But then once they under, people understand those concepts, um, then it's about like, okay, well, how do you implement these habits and these approaches into your life? And sometimes that needs like more of a coaching approach. Mm. And and how do you, or how did you implement that coaching approach into yourself or like self-coach yourself for Escalata Masters? Because I'm I'm going to make an assumption another assumption here you didn't have a your own mental coach who was working with you at that time you did it yourself so yeah. how do you find that way to get that sort of third party perspective and mm-hmm. say I'm being objective about this and this approach versus just kind of getting caught up in your own mind yeah so for, for me again it's like this blend of theory and experience so like I really know like all the theory around like how not to get performance anxiety and how not to have fear of failure crop up but like in the past it has anyway so like I remember a really classic example is I did this route con- called Concepcion which is like this 80 min- meter crack climb in the desert I'm going to it next week are you yeah. oh my god it's the living end <laughs> <laughs> don't tell yeah, me that performance anxiety <laughs> um basically like for whatever reason it just it was really hard for me um I guess I'm just like not that good at that size of crack yet or whatever yeah um I was also like off the back of an injury and all these other reasons I also like wasn't that happy in my life at that time um and anyway this route just took me way longer than I thought it would do I just wasn't really like that happy and basically although I had all the fear theory the fear of failure and the performance anxiety was still cropping up and I was managing it as best as I could and I finally did the route 
but I wouldn't look back on that process as a success. Mm. I would look back on it as like there, there, there's work to do there. Mm. But what was really cool is like I learned from that and I basically, um, that I did Magic Line that's later that same year and basically just like was so careful around my mindset as prep. Um, and, and I think that like, like that route in in many ways like I'm way more proud of Magic Line than I am of Escalata Masters because it was just more challenging for me like all about it all about it was more challenging and especially for the psychology and like I did it on the last day of my trip before a storm came in and I haven't been back to the valley since you know and obviously I didn't know that at the time but like the the pressure was so on and I managed to climb my best um, and I could only have done that if I had like, I'd taken, I, I basically like put as much energy into my mental training as I had put into my physical training um, throughout the entire process. And that was, it was so important for me and like basically was like the only reason why I did the route. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And so, but then in terms of Escalata Masters, like because I'd gone through that on Magic Line, it's like I just had this blueprint for Escalata Masters and it all just felt really easy. Mm. <laughs> like not easy, like especially that first week when we got out there and I, we like weren't climbing that hard. But like in general, I was just like, there was really not much fear of failure or performance anxiety showing up. There was like a little bit of negativity because the weather was so bad. But in general, I was just like, I was enough emotionally attached to it. And I think that's... um that's I think the crux for a lot of people with projects is that there's this emotional attachment that's, that often has like deeper issues around self-worth and like you know you you feel like you need to do the climb in order to like feel a certain way and you're really fearful that if you don't do the climb um, of what that's going to feel like mm. um, and um, that basically makes you just you, you climb like shit when you're in that in that frame of mind. And where, what do you have as a, um, what's the word I'm going to use here, uh, sort of warning light system where you, something crops up and you notice it, where, where's the point where you go, okay, so let's just say, take a specific example here is um, some thoughts around fear of failure. Let's say it was on, on the 9A. Um, is there, do you have a sort of threshold where you go, okay, that cropped up. A couple of times last week but they moved on quite quickly but now you know what I'm noticing this every day or I'm ruminating it every time I go to bed what's the sort of threshold for you where you think I'm gonna to have to take some action on this and actually no I'll let it go it's I've observed it but I'll let it go yeah I mean that's an interesting point I mean I don't know if there's a way to kind of like measure that or like you know I think a lot of this is like really quite intuitive um mm. but i think like for people listening you know keeping a journal is quite a nice way you know of like um you know taking note and taking stock of of like where you're at and you know obviously like thoughts around fear of failure like you know like oh no what if i don't do the climb are going to pop up um and basically you can either like notice those thoughts and be like they're just thoughts you know, like I've done the work around this. I know that I value the process and the learning and I'm like feeling really grateful and positive about this experience, you know, or you can kind of like 
um, self-coach yourself around those negative thoughts. Um, and I think that how you approach that's really quite personal. So like for some people who are like really prone to rumination, like coaching and like having that back and forth in your head um, can be actually a bit counterproductive because you just sort of like go through the cycle of like negative, positive, negative, po- positive, right? And it's just quite draining and distracting. So for those people, it might be better to just be like, oh, there's those thoughts again. It's okay. They crop up. I'm human, you know? Um, and then kind of like, essentially like what's quite useful is to just bring your attention back to the process is like I'm at this stage of the process right now like why am I thinking about the stage that's like a month from now you know like this is where I'm at (laughs) um so like come always coming back to where you're at in the process is quite useful and why do you think it is so beneficial in terms of you know a lot of the psychology models around this being in the moment being the present over preoccupation with the past or or the future why why is that so effective yeah i mean i think the 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 thing is is that um we just have this overwhelming tendency to have our thoughts be to to be lost in thought and have those thoughts be about the past or future so it's not like it is useful like the human ability to plan and to like reflect on the past and learn from the past and like think into the future like is why we're so smart and we can do all the things that we do but like basically our overwhelming tendencies to do that too often Mm. um so basically you're sort of just like bringing the needle back to be a bit more balanced but also just like um you know if you want to do anything well especially anything that's remotely challenging. Like you have to be present and focused in the moment. Like, you know, that's why even even like basic physical training that doesn't require like tons of like cognitive energy, like lifting those weights or whatever, you're still just not going to be as good at doing that if you're like thinking about something else while you're doing it. So like even like obviously when it comes to the performance, you really need to be present and focused. But like even stuff that like, like preparation for the performance, it's better if you're focus intensive. Also, being focused in the moment and being present in the moment is like a trained skill. Um, and yeah, that's what like meditation trains, for example. Um, but basically, like the more you can practice doing that, the better you'll be in the moment when it actually matters and you do want to perform at your best. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a skill. Yeah, and it's a it's a very it's funny how tricky it is. I mean, I, I've struggled it for for years and years and years, but I'm very aware when I've got it spot on. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's probably the best part of that thing that I've now grasped, that I know what it looks like yeah, when it's there. Yeah, so you know and I, how to find yeah, it. Yeah, and I apps, and, and the funny thing is, is now when, when it is there and I realize it, I go, okay, it's on today. We're right. going big today. And then I get very, yeah. very confident and I get in this really positive cycle. Nice. But as... As to whether I can pull it out every time, no ways. Yeah. Not in a million years. What are the biggest distractions for you, do you think? Uh, I think for me, it's it's a lot of the fear around unknown on a, right, on a route. Yeah, like okay. all the things yeah. that could go wrong or that my mind won't do what I want it to do mm-hmm. on the route. Because I struggle so much with a fear of heights and fear of exposure and yeah. you typically get that a lot when you go route climbing. Mm-hmm. And I've worked very hard to get into a good position. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm still very aware that my mind goes to places I don't want it to go to. Yeah. And I'm scared of that, of going yeah, out of control okay, mid-route. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a very fine line, mm. knowing whether you're in it and on top of it, or you're not. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's but, interesting. But likewise, it's very exciting when you tread that thin yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. And it's just as rewarding as, you know, things are your physical limit and all that sort of stuff. Totally, yeah. So what do you what do you personally do, or did you do, around setting expectations for this project and you, you had quite a long process leading up to it and you, you'd done lots of preparation for it and you'd gone back to the UK and all that time you know spent training on a woody board and things like that it must have been quite a bit of unknown still for what it would look and feel like when you went back yeah um so I think expectations are quite personal because like I think some people it's almost like when people set super high, some people, especially top athletes, when they set really high expectations, they actually thrive with that. Most people don't, but there's some weird oddity about like top athletes where they like, if they're like, um, you know, I've got to do it or I'm definitely going to do it this season or, you know, something like that. Like it can work for some people. Um, I'm not like that at all. And I, the way I like to approach it is I like to just have a really open mind. So it's like, it'd be nice if I did it but like I'm you know I'm committed to doing this route and if I don't do it this year then that's that's life um the only thing that like I found difficult to manage was because I didn't really love the physical training process like that much I was like if I don't do it this season I'm gonna have to do it again next season and sometimes it's just about like life logistics you like like if I did that then I wouldn't be able to go to Yosemite next year and like I really want to go there and so it's like a lot of the fear for me was like around it just being like a suboptimal outcome for like my next two years of my life (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) but then you just have to go it's really not that bad like you know like being on this route and training for this route is still like a really good outcome you know like it's not it's not that big a problem to have to do that so you just have to kind of remind yourself like how lucky you are um to be able to go and climb such a good route two years in a row you know like Mm. um but yeah, was that what was the question? Yeah, it's, it's, it's around expectations. Yeah, sorry, right? Work, yeah. yeah, so expectations. Yeah. Um, and was that oh, uh, one interesting thing there you said was uh, that you had to be okay with the fact that yeah maybe you had to come back and train again and keep going for it even though you might not enjoy that. That to me is the voice of someone who's very committed. So I find that interesting listening because it sounds to me like you've committed to that goal. And yeah. You, and you definitely are going to do that. Like hell or high water yeah. and you're not stepping away from it so kind of yeah although like I would consider myself to be someone that like if I wasn't having fun on a route anymore and it was like impacting my well-being and other things in my life I would totally walk away as well so, so it's like a, a seesaw yeah but I just think that like if it's impacting your well-being and you're not having fun on it usually you can change your mindset and it can become fun again so you know it's it's a bit of a balance but um yeah I was pretty committed to doing the route yeah Mm. like I was like super excited to try it and I just and I think that's why it's important to have routes that you actually just really enjoy being on you know um 
like just picking a route because of the grade and because it's the right challenge level if you don't love that piece of rock and you don't like hanging out in that place it's just gonna be a much harder process for you basically mm. and how important is or are the people that you do climbing with and take on challenges with for you is is the human element an important part of that kind of mindset and psychology do you do you, do you deliberately go after that to sort of benefit and build that whole thing up or do you see it as quite an independent element um I mean I think it matters who you're climbing with and I think that who you're climbing with like does impact your mindset um and actually as a coach it's one of the things I struggle with most is like I'll do really good work with someone around their mindset but like if their climbing partner's got a really bad mindset it's almost impossible for them to maintain a good mindset because we just absorb the energy and the values of people around us and it's really hard to protect yourself from that um but so yeah I mean it matters to me who I'm climbing with and who I'm spending my time with for sure I mean most of the climbing I do I suppose nowadays is with Angus and obviously I like Angus <laughs> um but it was really interesting with Escalata Masters because um he was really struggling with his mindset on that route and, and I wasn't and I mm. also did it about two and a half three weeks before he did and that put quite a bit of pressure on him um and it was a bit weird for me because it was almost like I couldn't really celebrate doing the climb because I like really wanted him to do the climb because I knew how much it meant to him and how much he'd put into it. So it was almost just like I, I actually, and it was quite interesting because I'd done all this work for my own mindset, but I hadn't done any work around like how to manage his mindset, you know. And actually I took on a lot of his anxiety around it actually, like... um like that was almost like one of the bigger learning points I think from the experience is like how to manage someone who's actually how to manage yourself and support someone who's having a hard time on a project uh, it's quite interesting I think all yeah, of those yeah. you know relationship dynamics and stuff yeah yeah I mean I, you know you know me I've climbed with Pete for 13 mm-hmm. 14 years and being in a partnership with climbing and that there's a very definite sort of leaning on each other that we mm-hmm. have done over the years um and i think potentially we're maybe uh disadvantaged when we climb with other people right. on our own because we don't we don't have that tool available anymore and it's been interesting to see how that same thing of like you're good at what you practice yeah and and what you do a lot of and then suddenly if you find yourself in a yeah like in a relationship but a climbing relationship mm or the other person is actually having a really tough time. And that's not normally how it goes when you climb together with mm. this other person. Yeah, it's a yeah. brand new factor to deal with. And then if the climbing suddenly feels hard, don't be that surprised. Yeah. Because you've got this new thing that you're trying to deal with. Totally, yeah. It was like interesting during Magic Climb because I went out there with Maddie. Oh, yeah, you did, not um, And it was like really fun trying it with her. And then she left. And I basically was just like bumming belays off people and stuff and it just added so much challenge to just not have this buddy to go with um mm. and then like you know like cl- my, some of my friends were belaying me and they like have never even belayed on like a hard trad route before and stuff like that it was just yeah it was too difficult yeah and one one question that i know that uh some of the guys in the office asked me and i know those listening will definitely have is can you 
take us through a, a sort of rough framework of how you prepared yourself on the day or maybe the last few days when you were on red point burns for doing the projects like what does your your what does your person and i know it's always individualized mm-hmm. everyone's a bit different but can you yeah talk us through your your setup process yeah so um um and i'm probably gonna listen to loads of these and go oh god don't do that i don't do that <laughs> Wait, you don't, as in you, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's what what works for everyone. But like, um, well, firstly, I suppose I was doing, I was doing like first person visualization of the route, like at least once a day. And what do you mean Um, by first person visualization? So like seeing it through my own eyes. Yeah. um, And like, you know, like connecting to the different senses, um, like sensory feedback that I'd get. Um, so like you know like how the holds would hold and so like visualizing that and things like that and is that at the crag or in the I'd van usually do go? it before bed okay, um yeah. and we did it before bed like every day after like basically from the first trip so for, for months we were visualizing the route um it was annoying when you change your beta though <laughs> <laughs> um and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of managing my psychology when I'm thinking about the climb. So, like, I'm making sure that the, that if I'm thinking about the climb, it's productive and positive. Um, so, like, if I'm, you know, just absentmindedly thinking about it, like, trying to check myself and be like, you know, is this useful or is this actually draining my energy? Um, and, like, coming back to, like, doing a lot of gratitude stuff so it's like I think gratitude is really powerful basically just makes you feel positive about stuff that's challenging when you're like I'm so grateful I get to try this climb yeah I'm so grateful that it's you know it's the right challenge level for me I'm so grateful I get to be here with Angus like doing a lot of gratitude practices and then um I personally like to kind of I wouldn't want to say kid myself but it's like a, it's a blend of kidding myself and just having an open mind around like whether today's the day or something like that. Mm. Like I personally don't like to be like today's the day. I like even on magic line, I kidded myself that maybe I could try it the next day or like maybe it wouldn't snow that much and I could try it a week from now or something or like, do you know what I mean? Like I personally don't because there's enough pressure as it is. So I don't add pressure some people like that pressure. I personally don't. I like to be more relaxed. Um, I tend to be like alert enough as it is on a climb. So I want to bring the, that those levels down a little bit. Um, and then in terms of, so in a way I'm like, I'm not doing loads of like build up prep because the in a way, like if you do a lot of build up, it's like you're putting pressure on yourself because you're like, today's the day kind of thing um but essentially like on on the route like I'm just trying to be as present as possible like I'm being with I like I have a little mantra um be with each move um and basically just like saying to myself all you've got to do is to climb each move well so like literally just thinking it about the the move in front and nothing more and you're doing that as you're climbing the route uh, sometimes yeah like sometimes if 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 like a distracting thought pops into my head or like at a rest if so sometimes on sport climbs like the anxiety and negativity will come in at the rest whereas when you're actually in the sequence you are just focused on the climbing so I might be doing that 
like focusing on my breath, especially on the rests, bringing the, like really connecting to my heart rate and my breathing so that, that I know when to leave the rest. Um, and then also like, um, I quite like to like visually connect to the root. So like what I'll do is I'll like really look at the next handhold so that I'm basically, it's, it's like, I'm seeing like all the little like patterns and colors in the rock and stuff. I do that too. Yeah. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Cause you just yeah. feel like super connected to where you are rather than like in your head. Um, and then just like connecting to sensory feedback as well. So like, you know, like the feeling of your, the rock under your skin and, um, and then, yeah, like it was quite interesting, like at the big jug rest at the top, because it's like, that's a like really restful position. Mm. So like there's two things you can do at a rest. You can either let your mind wander, but then make sure you like cue, you have a cue to come back into focus, or you can try to like keep the challenge level high in the rest, basically by like doing the best rest that you could ever do. So like, you know, like really tuning into your breath, like really focus on making sure that there's like as much weight through your feet as physically possible, making sure your arms are equally rested, you know, like that's kind of my preferred one to be fair. Mm. Yeah. yeah so, so that's it, some of the things I do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. The one you said about um, looking at the hold or something in, mm-hmm. in really acute detail. Yeah. I, I think I... I came across it because I saw, I always used, used to notice Steve Mack would always look at his fingers right. with the chalk on the end of his fingers. And I was always like, what is that? Why, is he, why does he do that? <laughs> and then I kind of noticed it. And then I like noticed that I could just see all the little grains in the chalk on my fingers. And then I think just randomly, I kind of looked at the rock afterwards and went, oh, I just noticed all this detail suddenly. And then I found it really distracting yeah. and I really liked it. And, and it was great. But it's not distracting, it's focusing. Yeah, so, yeah, isn't it? Well, though it's distracting from my own mind, which yeah, seems to go Yeah, but your own mind is distracting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, corrected. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, um, I know lots of people listening will want to know a bit more about your uh, professional work that you do with Strong Mind and um where they can find more from you i think you have a new instagram page that you've started this year and things that and i guess a website and everything like that so can you yeah tell everyone where they can find more and uh and such like yeah so um strong mind um started like off the back of an online course so it's um it's called the strong mind course and it's it's mostly focused around fear management and the main fears that it um focuses on our fear of falling, fear of failure and social fears. So sort of like the main fears basically that distract people in climbing. It's also got a bit on heights and exposure as well. Um, and that that's kind of like, I put like almost everything I know about fear management into that course. So it's like a bit of a monolith of a course, like it's pretty mega. Right, okay, um, yeah. So like if you base, basically, if you're like pretty psyched to, to learn about fear management um and you really want to see like good results then like I recommend that course and then um we also have a membership platform that we're about to launch in like a week um and that's basically we want that to be like the go-to place on the internet to find good quality information about mental training mindset fear management performance psychology flow state 
Um, and it's basically there's going to be a lot of content on there but then there's also we want to do sort of events so we'll have like um, a focus topic every month that we'll like go into in a lot of depth and we'll run like live workshops around it and get like guest coach coaches in who who are like experts in that space um, so yeah it's just basically like uh, creating a bit of a community around mental training and climbing because I think there's lots of different communities around physical training and climbing and lots of places people can go to get good information about physical training but it's a bit neglected when it comes to psychology mm. and I think a lot of the way that people learn in psychology is actually connecting with others and sharing experiences with others and so it's basically we wanted to just create a bit of a space for people to be able to do that so um that's launching um in, in a week uh, and then we've also got a podcast as well that we're going to keep adding to the strong mind podcast um and yeah the website strongmindclimbing.com and there's like you can also look at one-to-one coaching and workshops and stuff like that there yeah brilliant we'll put yeah. links in all the show notes and everything like that so yeah, people cool, can find thanks. it all um and we've just got to find someone who wants to take on the whole technique thing well, we'll um, John... Strong drop knee. <laughs> John, John... Well, I'm spacing his last name. Uh, Red Shaw? No. no. Oh, no. Um, he wrote the book. Yeah. Uh, sorry, John, we'll put it in if the you're show listening. Notes. We'll put it in the show notes. John someone. Yeah. Um, he's Just, really good. Yes, he is. Yeah. It's not very helpful. No. <laughs> listening, it? It's quite interesting movement stuff because um, it's so connected to the mind. Like I end up working on movement stuff with people, even though I'm not an expert in movement, because it's almost like if you, if you already know how to move, it's more about where you put your attention. Mm. But I think a lot of people in movement and technique, it's sort of newer to intermediate climbers could actually benefit from that kind of coaching. Yeah. And I'm not the person to ask about that. <laughs> we'll get we'll get John to, yeah, to yeah. sort it really out. Yeah, good. Come on. Should oh, I, I quickly believe- look in my phone box? I know, I can't believe we've both forgotten John's name. I feel like we've actually got to look this up now and make okay. sure it's not like... As you were talking like- there, I was thinking, I'm, it's going to come to my name in my head. It's definitely... Kettle. Kettle. John Kettle, legend. Yeah. I love John. Yeah, he's, he's good. based in the lakes, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we had him on the Curious Climber podcast. It was quite interesting. Yeah. Shout out to John Kettle. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much, Hazel. Yeah, thanks for having me.